me, I'm Alan McGuire. And I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that's important to them when they were young. This is the first episode we've recorded remotely. We're all in separate places because of the corona. Um, how are we all doing? Podcasting in the time of corona. Yeah. Uh, and that's all I'm going to mention of it, because this is yep. about the past, when things were yeah, better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Our guest today is a writer, broadcaster, and one half of Lime and Fancy. It's Jen Gannon. Welcome to the Hi, show. Hi, Jen. Hello. How are you? Um, yeah, good. As good as can be. Let's put yeah. it that way. You have brought us uh, the weirdest thing we've covered since probably episode two, when we did that anti-drugs PSA. Ah, yes. Introduce your thing. You will tell it better um, than I can. So. It's called interbang and it wasn't a porn it sounds like a porn it wasn't mm-hmm. it was a kids tv show that was made in italy um it's from italy but the show itself goes all around the world and it's about two brothers who are twins Gianni and bruno and they have to find uh mini leaning towers of pisa to connect them all together because they will basically save the world it's about like an adventure show about how it's kind of got the occult a bit of occult in it bit of magic going on um there was a book that had secrets of the universe and it was stolen uh, by this man called the boss um and one of the pages is missing and he's trying to find that page and a professor ends up having the final page that reveals all the secrets of the world and he gives it to the brothers johnny and bruno and tells them they have to go and collect these little mini Lena Terror pieces. And then one day when they have them all, because all of the little mini Lena Terror pieces, there's seven of them, um, they have magical properties. And when you put them all together on a hexagram in the Lena Terror pieces, something magical will happen uh, to the world, basically. That's the plot. <laughs> Whoa. It's, I, okay, so it, it aired on the children's channel over here. It did. And I was an avid children's channel watcher. TCC, um, absolutely. Yeah. Every day. This yeah. is before it was TCC even. This is when it was still called when the children's When it was children's the children's channel. channel. Yeah. Yo, I am fascinated by, by other people remembering that because I feel like the children's channel exists only in a very particular, like, blur of my own memory. I don't think oh, yeah. I've ever heard an adult say TCC or the children's channel allowed so i'm very excited about what we're about to get into <laughs> it was really weird the children channel was weird they had like this show that i loved as well called stories without words where it'd be loads of cartoons from like czechoslovakia and stuff and one of them i remember vividly was this little bald man who drove around in a matchbox um oh my god what was their content <laughs> your this is my my fucking brain <laughs> that's wild i do yeah, remember that uh, and I loved, there was another really depressing cartoon they had called The Bunny with the Checkered Ears. And it was a bunny rabbit that saved two people from dying. Um, I think they tried to throw themselves into a chimney at one stage. I don't know. All their programs were bizarre. And that's where I discovered Interbank was on the children's channel. I have no memory of it whatsoever. But I think everybody has at least one children's channel program that only they remember. Because yeah. I was reading, I went through the list of every children's channel program today on Wikipedia. And I've, I would say maybe maybe a fifth of them I watched and have any kind of memory of it all. But the rest are just blanks. It's like your fucking star yeah. sign or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Your which, individualized children's channel. Like only you and four other living people remember 
the flumps or only you and four <laughs> other children remember fucking i was gonna say tots tv but we all remember we tots all tv remember i'm a tot just me and tot we all remember tots <laughs> tv but by and large magic for god's sake fucking hell. i did see somebody on the internet recently who went and found the house which is now uh i would say dystopian how frightening that set looks nowadays but uh yeah i'm looking through that list right now um and i'm i'm having like tremors nearly at some of the the names i'm like i i remember some of them so clearly and others are just like total gobbledygook you know oh it's yeah. we were talking about this on the vanilla sky episode where something is huge at the time and then leaves no cultural trace whatsoever yeah and a lot of these like like toss tv i completely forgot about toss tv till this morning and there's one called cops c-o-p-s which stands for like it's about cops but it stands for like so, uh, i remember company that of police something but it was like this action, 80s action thing that existed for like 15 episodes. Do you and guys ma- remember? Go on. Sorry. I've just no, had a moment. Go on. Uh, a mask as well, which I had like action figures <gasps> of. And like my friend or, had the base of it. But it's just nobody. It's gone from cultural memory entirely. No one really remembers the, the, the real Ghostbusters, it was called. And there was a gorilla. And it was a cartoon with um, two guys and a gorilla. But it was called The Real Ghostbusters, but it had nothing to do with the film. Oh, the previous one. Yeah, yeah. yeah but but, I don't oh. understand where <laughs> that went to. But then there was actually the Ghostbusters cartoon as well. Yeah, there was. On top of that, which I was obsessed with. But then I, I think yeah. this real Ghostbusters was like dubbed from German or something. It, it wasn't yeah. real. But I don't know why I had real in the title. It was so confusing. It was like a minefield when I was growing up. I was like, what is The Real Ghostbusters? Which one is real? I don't know. We'll never know. <laughs> I am losing my absolute mind, lads. I have just rediscovered a television show in this exact moment. I was like looking at that list because now, because we're recording remotely, we all have like an endless database to refer to. Um, a cartoon called Victor and Maria. And I, I can feel it all over my body that I have not thought about this television show since I was about eight years old. But I had a VHS of it and watched it over and over and over again. And it's about a child and a, who has a big bear who she hangs out with. And, yeah. oh my God, this master yeah. list of TCC. Yeah, he's a big white bear with a purple hat. And of it's course. made by the same people who made King Rolo, who I hope you remember. Oh, yeah, oh, totally King Rolo. Yeah, King he Rolo. the flu. And his cat was called Hamlet, which is yeah. bomb. Um, but it's this, that same sort of watercolor, almost 70s animation style. It's a little bit reminiscent of like um, the way the Yellow Submarine, the Beatles movie looked. Oh, yeah. Um, kind of trippy. And I, that's all over my skin now. This TCC list is wild. Possessed. Like, it's yeah. unbelievable. It's like, I mean, the Mysterious Cities of Gold leaps right out because of that absolute banger of a theme song. Theme a of these, yeah, a couple of these shows have slap and TV, like, music. But the rest are just... Ooh, guys, that feels weird. I don't... Mm. There's, it's, when you go down through it, it's really like you're it. kind of, like, you're mining and you hit these little, like, troves of stuff. You're like, oh, like, Earthworm Jim, the thick and eek the cat. Oh, yeah. I watched all of those obsessively. And then there's a little, um, there's a little pocket of Super Mario-based shows down near the end. There's like yeah, four yeah, different Marios. Kids. Yeah. And Super Mario's Super Show, which had uh, Captain New Albano was Mario and Cindy Lauper was in it for I some reason. I remember that really oh. clearly. Yeah. I, I, I remember that. I had a few books of that as well, like little paper hmm. children's books of that. But the, um, I yeah, this is very, this is very strange, guys. This yeah. This is a strange uh, 
index of history here and i am not yeah because there's some that i'm like oh uh when we were living in san francisco me and carrie went through a big phase of watching um play days again and i just <laughs> under no influence of anything completely sober would always just sit around in the evening watching play days from the bbc or beverly hills teens and there's oh, a few things that. that stand out but there are genuinely shows that i'm looking at in this list and going I, I feel gross and like I'm time traveling internally right now. This is very it's strange. like the way I used to describe Ariel Pink's music to people that had never heard it. I used to say it's like discovering the old Castle Grayskull that you used to own in the attic, but it's full of moss now. Mm. That's what it feels like. And that's oh what my God. remembering Interbang feels like or felt like for years. For me, we, because we've no mentioned... one else remembered it. We've talked about several things now that all are related to Interbank. So we used to talk about the theme music first. Okay, there's which, two theme tunes, can yes, I just say? They both it's slap. It's got double yeah. theme tunes, and it's the best. And like great shows like Only Fools and Horses, double theme tunes are the best thing ever. And they were both written and performed by uh, John Christoph Castellini, who played Gianni in the show, the, one of the twins. And I actually think this, the last theme tune is the better one. Um, they both sound like they could be Phoenix songs, which I yeah. love. Awesome. The last yeah. one also um, has a bit of Roxy music in it, I thought. Definitely, that piano. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's very it's strong. The whole parts, music in it is really good. Oh, the incidental yeah. music is all amazing, but it's all part of my plan. My plan is basically, this is my plea. Uh, this is why I wanted to do this, other than the fact that I adore the show, is the fact that I've been living with this for so long that I want... Wes Anderson to remake, to make a film of Interbang. Um, I want, basically, the killer can be played by Bill Murray. He's the one that's like chasing Johnny and Bruno across yeah. Europe. He dresses like the hamburger. He has a big hat and a massive cape. He looks so like he's he played by that. your uncle Dennis. Exactly. <laughs> As a, with sunglasses. Um, yeah. And the voice that he, the voiceover that was done, because it's all dubbed from Italian. Um, it was the actor Sean Barrett who played the killer and he was in stuff like The Dark Crystal and Return to Oz, which was another one of my fave scary childhood things. Um, but he could definitely, Bill Murray could definitely be the killer. Phoenix could do the double Dean chain. And I used to think that Jason Schwartzman could play Johnny and Bruno because of the hair. But now Schwartzy is kind of getting on. So I think we have to have double Chalamet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it writes itself. Give the people what they want. <laughs> With Saoirse Ronan and Estella as the mysterious yes, woman. Yes, the mysterious yeah. Estella who appears yeah. to save them. Basically, anytime the lads got into trouble, this woman would just appear and get them out of trouble. Yeah. I mean, it was fine. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, I've, I watched five episodes of it now, and I feel like I have a pretty good handle of its tropes. Um, the killer's car always runs out of petrol. And it's In, a Phoenix. It, in every episode I watched, <laughs> yeah, every single episode. And every so often, the killer will have to go, Mamma mia, for no reason. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Painfully ridiculous. A brutal name to give a children's bad guy to just straight up call him the killer. The killer. <laughs> well, his very first appearance in the first episode, the boss, who is an old Italian mobster stereotype, calls him in and he comes in holding a handgun with a rifle across his chest and goes, What, you want me to kill someone, boss? And that's his very first line, essentially. Children's so, television used to be way more off the fucking chain, like, mm. than it is now, man. Like, there was a lot more 
like casual violence and weird horniness hanging around in kids TV shows Very like true. we turned out fine do you know what I, I mean guess. yeah <laughs> like, we this has an extra fine. layer of being Italian as well on top of all that yeah. though so it's um like I came across um an ad that on YouTube where they were trying to sell it obviously to worldwide companies and one of the selling points they have on the ad being Italian uh, they say Interbang is full of women beautiful women sexy women and then Whoa. they just do this montage of all the women that are in it it's so bizarre and I ask everyone to look that up because it's brilliant obviously that's what sold the children's channel <laughs> like, mm-hmm. the sexy beautiful women yeah the other main character is called the gypsy and she's right. essentially dressed as um, yeah. Esmeralda from Broken Sword. Yeah. Love that. It's, it has a very Broken Sword kind of feel, actually. Into, did, have you played the Broken Sword games? I, the last time okay. I ever played a video game was Bomb Jack on the Atari. So. Okay, right. <laughs> I, have an, I, I love having the internet in front of me um, at all times. Uh, this is my moment. Broken Sword, search. Do I know what Broken Sword is? Uh, I recognize that cover, but I have not played it. So you, that's so weird. Okay, I have anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, Broken Sword is a is a, a point and click RPG that takes place, or point and click adventure takes place across the world, and one of the characters yeah. is a gypsy. So I'm now thinking maybe oh. it ripped off Interbank in a huge way. Um, it could have. Yeah. But um. Weird like, forgotten yeah. TV shows are good things to have as references in your work because, as said, only four people remember them, <laughs> yeah. and. Okay. If they do remember them, they don't remember what they were called. They only vaguely remember an aura of emotion attached to them. Like, how yeah. did you rediscover in Terrifying Jen? What happened was I always knew it was there in the back yeah. of my mind. Like, yeah. I have vivid memories of it because I was an indoor child, which is hey. great mm-hmm. uh, in these times. Um, I was always really, like, sick. And I would be, like, I had to go to hospital before, for, like, a long time, for about eight weeks. I had pneumonia. And my mom kind of just was like chill about not having us, like me and my sisters join things. She wasn't big on, you have to get out there and join a club or anything. So I would spend a lot of time like watching TV and just using my imagination and writing stories. Like me and my sister used to play like with our Barbies. And we used to do a thing because there were, we only had one candle. And we always you made only sure- ever have one, right? Yeah. And oh, he had like a, a yellow mohair jumper and we used to always kill him Nice. and we'd have his funeral. And that's what we oh, used to play okay. a lot with our Barbies was the funeral. But so yeah, so like literally I love TV. All the, I would watch it all the, like all the time, seriously all the time. And my only like biggest memories of any time I had a fight or a tantrum, which was really rare, was always over TV. Like I remember my mom, um, who would always go, you know, she, mass was always on a Sunday and she ended up going out, she had to go out one Sunday and she told my dad to bring us to mass on a Saturday evening. And that broke my routine, my TV routine, because Saturday evening was about MacGyver. And if I didn't get to see MacGyver, I was going to lose my shit. And I locked myself in the hot press and screamed the place down um, until I ended up on the couch eating tinned peaches, watching MacGyver and not going oh, to mass. Nice. Because TV was religion. <laughs> I love everything about that man. Like, but, um, I so yeah, so Interbank. I never forgot it. And when I used to like write letters when I was little to my friend, 
because we weren't allowed to use the phone, the house phone, the family phone. Expensive. Exactly. And also, you're six. What do you got to talk about? It's so important. So I used to send her letters and we'd write letters about Interbank. I would love to find those letters. Or oh, she has them. I would love it. But it was always in my mind when I went to explain it as I got older to other people, everybody was like, what the fuck was that shit? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know it's what so strange, about. especially in those liminal years between when we were children and when we were adults who could just go, I'm just going to Google what broken sword is, Alan, because I don't know what yeah. that is. The reference point in between those two distinct countries, right, mm. was the teens of going, I swear to you, this television show exists, is real, you just haven't seen it, and when I describe it, I sound like I'm lying. This is it. And I would, like, continuously try to tell people that it was real, and they were like, oh, God, this is just ridiculous. Until the early 2000s, I think it was, that it it wasn't until then. Actually, the late late 90s, I I was going out with a guy, and I kind of kept that relationship on for a little bit longer because he remembered it. Oh. <laughs> he wanted to hold on to that. The Amazing. Fact that it wasn't crazy. But then in the early 2000s, um, I remember I randomly looking it up on the internet and finding nothing except for one entry on a chat room, on a message board in Trinity Whoa. College, Matt's message board. And some guy Whoa. randomly says, does anybody remember this TV show? And that was all, that was it. And it wasn't until years later that he it started. Was there. He was out there. <laughs> Where is this man now? Who are you? If you're listening, oh my God. Please get in touch. No, I, I know that exact feeling. I had that with a TV show called um, Eureka's Castle, which is a Henson production, but a super, I have now rewatched some of it. It was educational. It's a Muppet called Eureka, has a castle, a bunch of weird creatures live there. We all learn some things every day, whatever. And trying to explain it to people, like I would Google it in the early days and be like, or ask Jeeves it or whatever and be like, anybody, is there anybody out there? But now you can just watch it on fucking YouTube, you know? See, this is the thing. And it wasn't available. Like you couldn't, for ages you couldn't find it. It wasn't available. Um, and the then... idea of unavailable television is so surreal to so gorgeous, many people. Though. I am, if there are any baby Generation Z children listening, you have no idea how beautiful things are compared to that frustrating landscape of like, I guess I found one shitty JPEG of this show that I use as proof that it existed instead of just, mm. oh yeah, I just streamed the whole thing on Netflix, it's fine. And it's boring, and I hate it now. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I could not find choice. really anything on Interbank at all. I, f- I found that that mm. TCD message board guy, hey! um, and a very very bare bones IMDb page, which has no pictures, just a release date, and yeah, the cast. That's it. Yeah, I'm searching around now, and it. it is scant, but that makes mm. it even kind of holier. My uh, my uh, version, the version of that that I um, would compare it to is Rimini Riddle. Um, which our, our our local national treasure Tara Flynn was a voice in and therefore yeah. is responsible for a great deal of my childhood trauma. Totally thought that I made fucking Rimini Riddle up in my head, man. Totally this thought that I was like, these are just ghosts who visited me when I was a bit. Mm, no, they're not. They're real. And there is four images of it available online. This is it. it. And that's your law. And the thing was, like, I think it informed my, it shaped the person that I ended up becoming and the culture that I ended up consuming because 
first of all, it was really when they dubbed it and whoever they got to dub it um, and, and write it uh, was so sardonic. The narration is just really sarcastic. Yeah. And the actors that are playing Johnny and Bruno like are just, it's, it's really funny. It's bizarrely funny. And I, I think that that tone, that whole tone, which was kind of like when I, at the same age, RTE used to do repeats of the monkeys. And it has the same well, kind of sense of humor as the monkeys for me. Yeah. It has that same kind of madcap action um, style that they had. And that's why I think I hooked into it really easily. Because I was like, oh, this is just like the monkeys. And those guys have bull haircuts like Davy Jones. So they're cute. And I swear like to God, it. Yeah. the brothers, Janie and Bruno ruined men for me forevermore. Because Whoa. they're like these 16-year-old Italian guys. And... That was the image, that, like their clothes, their everything, their haircuts. That was me for gone forever. I was like, they are my ideal. So I They don't make Irish lads head. like that. They just no. don't make Irish lads that look like that. Like they just Not don't. at all. Those boys were like the template of my forever, like soft boyhoods, for sure. <laughs> I think I love Gianni more than Bruno was my fave. And it's funny because years later, after like an oasis of time where like nobody remembered it at all. Um, except for my sister who went to Pisa and brought me back a mini Lean and Tower Pisa that looks exactly like the ones they had in the show. <laughs> that I actually cried about because I was like, somebody knows they remember. But then one episode appeared up on YouTube in 2016 and I swear mm. to God, I thought I was going to die. Um, and then I managed to track down a Facebook for the actor who plays Johnny, um, <gasps> John Christoph Castellini. So we're friends on Facebook. Oh my God. He sent me a load of photos, behind the scene photos from the set. Really? They're what? all amazing. Yeah. They're oh so my God. I'll send them all on to you because they're just, they just look like a bunch of hipsters. Like it's all, yeah. all around the world. Like they're traveling to, they went to like San Francisco. They went to like um, Thailand. That's one of my favorite episodes is when they go to Thailand and they're in the middle of the sea and they have there's a bomb that is in a coconut drink and they keep on passing it to each other like the chuckle brothers would say yeah <laughs> it's such a good episode like i think it's on on youtube but anyway he was saying to me that he set up a facebook group for everybody to talk about the show and that's still up there and then he slowly oh. started to put up like the the show itself on youtube so it's just there on youtube the whole thing is there in italian and english um, the last episode is absolutely wild. It's bananas. <laughs> yeah, uh, the killer, the killer managed to get all seven of the Terra Pisa, and yeah. you have to put them in a special pillar in the Terra Pisa itself in the right order. Mm -hmm. But he loses the page as he puts in the last two and gets them mixed up. So the Terra Pisa straightens up and becomes a rocket ship and blasts what? off into space, and the killer is watching Earth recede from him on a view screen. And then it says to be continued. And that's it. And that's the, the end. end of the show. <laughs> you gotta love that. It's <laughs> yeah. totally it's like the it. most surreal thing ever. Mm. And just seeing that Lean and Terror Pisa going into space is like burned in my brain. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> and then the bad guy, the boss gets arrested for, um, was it removing a national monument? Because he's responsible yeah. <laughs> for the Lean and Terror Pisa disappearing. The Which destruction is... of a national monument. Yeah. But like... John uh, Christoph was saying to me that basically um, his dad, Paul Castellini, who made the show and created the show, um, he wanted to just showcase 
his sons and thought this was the best way to do it, to write a story around them and show off their like action chops and their music, you know, musicianship and try and get them jobs elsewhere. But also it was kind of like he just wanted to have a state sponsored holiday around the world. And he succeeded. <laughs> and it <paid> off. <laughs> yeah. like, it's amazing. He's like, he really was just chancing his arm and he was like this kind of director who did like a lot of ads and stuff in Italy in the 70s. Yeah. Um, he, he's a strange, very odd person. <laughs> like, it's, the visual style is really unusual. It does yeah. seem a little bit like the start of a like 70s Italian porn film it the does. whole way through. Um, it or it's just lots of weird establishing shots, but they're the actual main shots. Mm. Where everything's just too far away and pulling away from them all the time. And it's all very grainy and Italian. It's very like cool and but very confusing and very. I was like unsettling. so happy to discover when I rewatched it, when I finally got to rewatch it, that it was as good as I remembered. Like, it, oh, yeah. I mean, good as in it's not amazing, but like it's not terrible. And mm. I was just so relieved. I was like, man, I six year old Jen had taste. <laughs> <laughs> she was okay. That's yeah. bananas. I can't mm. believe that you found him. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Like that's what's sticking with me. I'm like, you found mm. him and you talked to him? Like he's like a what? novelist and a musician. Um I still hot like <laughs> Of course he is, he's Italian. Like, come on. <laughs> Age like fine wine. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, there are some people out there that definitely still remember it. I wrote an article about it for the Irish Times, just saying that like in the eighties, um kids TV was a lot weirder and it should still be I read weird. that. Mm. I read this so, this morning. So, and I just really yes. wanted people to know that I'm out there and I remember Interbang. So if anybody else does, you can talk, <laughs> talk to me. To it's me fine. And talk to me about it. Yes. And now when you Google Interbang, Jen Gannon comes up. That's it. So That's all like the circle. You're part of the story. Is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna fly off now like the Lena Therapy into space. <laughs> like but like I mean it was just also, the guy that did, because I was looking it up properly, um, doing my research for today, and I looked up everybody who did the voice, like the dubbing, and I found out that the guy who did Johnny's voice actually played Joe Chill in Batman, the first Batman, the Burton Batman, um, the one, he's the mugger that kills the, the Wayne, the Waynes, so that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So he was cool. <laughs> I'm gonna look at him. I mean, I guess like in the 80s and stuff, there was a oh, lot more of that, uh, like stuff getting dubbed all over the place because so much of the children's channel stuff was dubbed from everywhere. Yeah. So I guess oh God, those people dubbed. will turn up. Like we got to watch a lot of like think? French cartoons and like mm. there was so much of it that like 80 Days Around the World, which is one that I thought was Wrong. fake for years. Yeah. Um, but I think that's French. And like yeah. the three and Dog Tanyan. Yeah, yeah. Dog Tanyan, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that the one to gnomes. Remember the gnomes? <gasps> the gnomes. Yeah. They had red hats, blue tops, little red noses. Were... Or was that Canadian? Oh my... No, it was definitely dubbed. Well, well, I... Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, what the fuck was that? No, I was thinking was of called? that um French Canadian one that said that was about like your body, uh its life. That was a really yes. weird one because that is up on Netflix recently. It is, and I'll never forget it because another thing that was burnt into my brain was they showed a guy, a cartoon guy, obviously doing a wee behind a tree on one episode, and I remember and being like, "I don't brain. think we should be watching that," but they didn't <laughs> care. <laughs> I can feel this traumatizing me as we speak. Sorry. <laughs> Stop. Um, 
like what the fuck was the gnome thing called? You can't just say that to me and expect me to sit here and not. They like... used to rub noses instead of kiss. I know they did. I'm yeah. just there. I just don't know what they were called. Very erotic <gasps> European stuff. And yeah. that's why I kind of love um, the way that Daft Punk, when they did, you know, the film and they, they did. Oh, a... I just tell her five, 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 five. Yeah. Yes. And it was all Ulysses, you know, 31. Mm. It, was, it, was. it was the same cartoonist. And I get that vibe, that Euro, weird Euro vibe of a But, but it also cartoons. has a kind of a, a Japanese sort of a, a, like a thread going through it, right? Because yeah. it is super European, but it's also super Japanese. Like Sailor Moon was really, really big in France in the 90s, for example. Mm. And it didn't really make it onto national television here in the same way. But there is that, it feels like cartoons were more mobilized. Also, I've just Googled Gnome Kids cartoon nose rub and... <laughs> on page one the tv show was called the world of david the gnome and it was spanish, mm-hmm. spanish. Ah, there we go yeah it was from spain so there maybe kids kids media was just more mobilized and less americanized or something yeah like mm-hmm. we did definitely was, like the euro stuff was just way more sexual and way more dark yeah. like the yeah, way darker you know like when you think about it when they even did dungeons and dragons Mm. And you were like, they're lost there forever. Their mm. parents, they think they're missing. Those kids are missing. That was a weird tone. And it all came out at the same time as you're, you know, learning about like MK Ultra and Project Monarch and all of that kind of stuff. And I feel like that's all interlinked. And it was all really, felt very dark. Very oh, well, yeah, that's, that's like satanic panic around Dungeons and Dragons yeah. would have been the same time. Right. Exactly. And this is a whole 100%. show about them disappearing into a, a netherworld and never yeah. coming back. Ne- never yeah, yeah. to return. The, the yeah. big thing was never to return. And it's like, my other choice was going to be for this was Return to Oz because Ooh. that just gave me like, <laughs> a breakdown. Like that, they did not care about kids' stuff being dark back then. They were like, nah, mm. you know, whatever. They'll deal like, with it, kids. That's like I was, I was in a, a vintage, here's a I know I had the sentence is going to sound, but I also don't care. I because I will probably never get to go there again. But I was in a vintage toy mall in Tokyo in January, nice. and it was nine floors high. And in we had near we were there for about uh, almost twelve hours. I don't care. And then at about the seventh floor, things all reality had started to distort. I came upon a shop of doll parts, and the whole window was just beautiful perfect doll heads and i couldn't walk by it because of fucking return to oz yeah i was just like uh <laughs> uh like that skin that deep skin crawly feeling i think i have seen return to oz once and i mm. never care to see it again as long as i live oh like, we loved it it was a scared. big fave in our house and like if you had a fave in our house like we would genuinely watch that thing on repeat so return to oz was on repeat i remember like even coming home from school and if my sister my other sisters were home before me you would just be um like in parts of pop culture would just be there as in in the middle of whatever was going on in the house like my mom would be making dinner and my sister would be sitting in the sitting room and the trash masher sequence star wars would be on and that was just life like it just always those moments were just all around and it was like if as i said if you had a fave that was going to be on repeat and return to oz was on repeat non-stop in our house it was just bizarre (laughs) i think i i think i got it from extra vision and was so upset by it that it was banished 
Do you know what yeah. I mean? And you know yeah. when you're a kid and you're upset by something, but it's kind of like I um, I'm I definitely think still influenced in some ways by how horrible it was. But I think the other thing about Return to Oz was that it was very sad, wasn't it? Oh, it was desperately sad. Like basically so was, they didn't believe that Dorothy had gone to Oz and they got like she had to like go to a mental institution. Yeah. And get like, rid of like get shock treatment. And I feel like the stuff that happened to the, the pumpkin head was really oh, sad I loved too. Him. I actually yeah. really fancied him. He was very yeah. thin and had a giant head and was tall. That's my marker for men. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I feel right. like I remember him quite viscerally, so I might have had some sort of a reaction to him as well. Yeah. But I also remember being very sad about him too. Yeah, because they, they tried to kill him. Princess Mombi, yeah. wasn't it? God, yep. this is all happening in my mind. But also there was this thing in it where there was a table full of ornaments or stuff and if you touch them somebody would turn to stone and yep. my granny had like in her good room in her front room where nobody was allowed to go in like a all the nice board, things yeah full of yeah. presents that she'd gotten from years ago and I was always like holy crap this is the same thing like somewhere out there someone is turning to stone because I touched a dagger that her son got her in Spain in 1973 it had a massive effect on my brain, for sure. Big yeah. time. And that's right. the thing. It's like those secret show uncovered memories, like the way Interbang was. And it takes you ages to kind of work through it. It sounds mental, yeah. but it does. Like, but yeah, it is like unpacking something. Yeah. Like, I, and I do think the darkness that these kind of stories contain and the surrealism and the weirdly sexy stuff, like, yeah. Like, again, I keep reaffirming that we're all fine, right? More or less. I mean, none of us are fine, but we're all fine. I think that, like, it's texture. Like, it's good that we watched weird shit when we were kids, mm. you know? Like, I think it makes you weird in a nice way. Yeah. Or something. And it also, like, gives you um, more of a, you're more inert to other stuff then because it, it's not mainstream mm. stuff like that really like loving interbank kind of set me on my way to like really liking anything that like foreign per se dramas or you know seek that stuff. It made you curious like, right yeah definitely like I think you're kind of like you know not everything is made by America or not everything good is American and not everything good is English you know, it. it exists everywhere. So what I'm trying to say is my love of Interbank has led me to my love of Lars Eidinger. Why mm. so now? <laughs> what a beautiful bridge to him, though. In you know? a roundabout way. Isn't he a tall I'm... man with a big head? Who <laughs> you've also <laughs> tracked down in real life, like you did with yes. John Steve Cassini. Yeah, Interesting. this is yeah. what I do with <laughs> yeah. tall men with big heads. I will track them down and I will find them. <laughs> beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. As my friends say, the men that I'm attracted to, they called them uh, twigs in wigs. Twigs in wigs! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Love this. I'm kind of steeped in this, guys, in a pretty serious way, in that particular feeling of, of, um, of things that come from somewhere else that you internalize as a child and that don't in any way line up to anything that's made now. Do you mm. know? Yeah. Like, I'm sort of stuck, stuck here. So I very quickly just Googled this... Uh, one I remember really clearly, and I don't know if it was on TCC, but it was called The Moon Dreamers. Do you remember that, Jen? No. What was it? Uh, they were 
I don't fuck it. I, I don't know what it was. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't know what it was, man. I feel like I'm being like a conduit for like 80s spirits right now. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm having a fucking visitation. Um, there was some moon dreamers, uh, which I, I am looking at a picture of them now. They are very cute girls who live in the stars. Um, and uh, there's the raccoons as well. Do you remember them? Oh, the raccoons yes. was the saddest raccoons. thing ever. That was sad as shit, man. When like, we were doing like Lime and Fancy one time, we really wanted to get the theme tune from <gasps> the raccoons and play. Banger. Yeah, but it was too upsetting. We were both like, oh God, we'll burst into tears while <laughs> we're dancing. Like, it carries a, a lot of weight. Mm. There's does. a few other. There's a few other ones though that I feel like are like. I feel like you've, you've like ripped open a previously sealed chamber in my head, Jen. I'm so sorry. No, I'm, it's good. I'm, it's good. I want to go there. This is how I live my life. On my waking <laughs> moments, I'm always thinking about like stuff like, I remember having a conversation with a guy on Twitter about this really, really dark English show called uh, Totti, which was about a doll in a doll's house. And there was an evil doll called March Payne, who I will never forget her name. And she set another doll on fire, a little baby boy doll on fire, and he died. Oh <laughs> my God. On national, t- that was on like the BBC at like two o'clock in the day. It's horrific. Okay, so what is like, the kit? Totty T-O? T-O-T-T-Y, I think. Totty Life in a Doll's House, I think was the title of the whole thing. And I think- oh That God. was on TCC, it was on the list of things. It, yeah. it was the most disturbing thing. There was another doll called Birdie. Maybe it was Birdie that died or Apple. I don't know. It was a, t- it was a shocking show, which I'll oh, never forget. Oh my God, I remember this. Yeah. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> but March Payne yeah, will always be like a villain in name. my life. What it's a name. Because I'd forgotten kind of about it until three years ago on the Great British Bake Off. They were talking about marzipan and someone was saying a March pain was something to do with marzipan and I literally froze. And I was like, that murderous bitch from Totty. I'm having a visitation. Like, <laughs> that's bananas, man. Isn't yeah. it weird how somehow we store all of these television experiences somewhere, yeah. right? And that's the thing because like this show is about stuff that you're obsessed with when you were a kid. I was just obsessed with so much mad crap when I was a kid that I was like, oh my God, it's it's like a kaleidoscope of weirdness. <laughs> it really is. It leads you to other things. And I, mm. I do think children's television is still weird for sure, right? I hope so. I really hope so. But it's, I feel like it's a different kind of weird, mm. you know? Yeah. Like... I, I think the Wiggles are a terrible experience for everybody. <laughs> I, they really are. I don't think they possess any genitals. No, I don't enjoy, I don't, I, I am not four. I will say that. I'm 12. Okay, but I, <laughs> I don't, I know that I am not personally the target audience for them. However, I, I feel like those strange animations, right? Or things like Indurang or like the light, the, uh, cities of gold and like there there was a there's something about them and maybe that's that's just personal though right isn't it maybe like, that's just it's like just... the nostalgia you know blanket i i remember this well so it's better functionally than all <laughs> current children's tv but i think you've really hit something about the international element of it right yeah. that the way people tell stories in italy and the way people tell stories in spain and in france 
and in fucking Netherlands, like the fucking movements, man. Movements yeah. out. Like I am so anti-moomin. I uh, do not. Oh no, them. really? Uh-uh. Spooky, scary Halloween. Don't like them. <laughs> uh, terrifying. I uh, I would not have them in my home. Um, I think they're very scary and sad. Uh, and but there's still a quality to that storytelling, right? Like the American way of telling stories, which is how that we consume we consume a lot of our media now, mm. right? Like the great children's stories of our generation or the generation coming up now are like the Disney and Pixar stories, right? That's a very American way of telling a story. And it's a very American aesthetic of storytelling. And even when they show other cultures, they show it through a very American lens, right? But actually growing up with weird dubbed animations from different countries, I don't know. It, it's like it's, the thing about them more. is nothing and like on a lot of that stuff nothing ended happening like i said in tati the house was burnt down in yeah. unices 31 your brother could end up suspended for in the air for how long we don't know um in interbang the lena therapy that goes into space like nothing is comforting and like you know it's, it's just mm. the madness or the insanity will, will get us all in the end or you know life just goes on or you will die horribly like these we didn't learn scenarios. very much we didn't learn very much at all from these experiences no they just said listen like that's your law deal with it and i think that's mm. a kind of a good message it makes it kind of hardy yeah hardy 90s kids tv shows <laughs> that's what we want i mean you feel like, like um you got a sense of any of the countries they visited from the episodes yes you do I, this was another thing i was going to say because a lot of like other tv that you will be consuming like american tv they're all kind of set on sound stages or in a studio or in the same mm. place or in the same country whereas with interbank it literally like you got to visit places like you got to see san francisco in like the mid 80s which just looks so cool and also like the vivid the ones that i remember vividly from when i was little are the episodes they went to thailand and the episodes where they went to greece the thailand episodes were for me the best ones and they were constantly swimming in these gorgeous like oceans and and sitting like on sandy beaches and and then in the in the greece ones it looked insane like it didn't look like i had pictured greece in my mm. head and it's really cool i love that there's kind of this mad travelogue aspect to it that i wouldn't have been exposed to otherwise at all in the greece one it kind of feels like they're not supposed to be there because they're trying yeah, to sneak into the parthenon and it's very hard to tell if that's an actual policeman chasing them away from the parthenon or not with the whistle yeah because it's yeah. it, it is again. It's like um, I know this won't be a good reference for you, but for a lot of people, it might be. It is a lot like an or like a point click adventure, where they walk towards Parthenon, and the policeman whistles, and they walk back, and it's figured out a way to get the policeman out of the way, and then later on, they have to get a mini terapiza by buying a smaller Parthenon from a shop, yeah, from a restaurant, and figuring out a clue, and it's very point and click adventure logic to the whole thing, where yeah. you're like you just keep on throwing two things together until something works. Mm. it's um but yeah it, it doesn't it feels very like almost like guerrilla filmmaking in a lot of those places i was just gonna say that yeah. it feels like it's all done on the fly and mm. i remember feeling i read an interview with sophia coppola who i adore 
about lost in translation and she was saying a lot of the time when they were filming in Japan in Tokyo they didn't have permits so they would just like basically film on the fly mm. um, and yeah. handicam kind of work like when they're running down the road or whatever and I remember thinking god that's a lot like what in Japan looked like <laughs> like it didn't look yeah. like there's a whole episode where they're in Venice and they're they do this brilliant thing because it was it's really self-referential as well which was deadly which I suppose I'd only get now looking at it, but um, rewatching it. But there's a whole thing about a gorilla filmmaking outfit who are filming Johnny and Bruno um, and trying to make them afraid. They, they have this guy dressed up as a killer, but they think it's their killer. Whoa. The streets. It's that is so super good. meta. What? It's an amazing episode. Yeah, it's such a good episode. And like, I, I know this sounds wanky and it sounds like bizarre, but and also I think later like in the intervening years or whatever it made me kind of want to consume italian culture because i thought the humor was so nuts in that show that i ended up like reading loads of pasolini um who has this obsession with like teen boys like being a, like a gay man growing up in italy and all his yeah. books are about like you know gay like young teenage boys roaming the streets and i was like yeah this is kind of all fits in with what intervine gave me weird mm. with his aesthetic like, yeah 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 um, well, it has nothing to do with the fact that I also have seen Salo, which I don't know if anybody should watch. <laughs> and as like, <laughs> maybe I had like something built up inside me where I was like, yeah, you know what? I can take this. <laughs> what is it? What is it? Um, Salo is a horrific film that Pasolini made um, about these children that are kidnapped, uh, teenagers, and are forced to perform horrible sex acts uh, on each no! other and on, on these horrible old priests basically no, and it's the whole that. yeah it's very bad and it's about uh, like it's very anti-establishment and anti-religion and in one infamous scene one of the kids has to eat shit basically. no yeah. fucking hell man um uh, i went to see it once um really hung over oh no recommend mm. that i all. feel like films <laughs> like that would have that that sort of grade of yeah like emotional horror I would have I had I feel like there's about seven years of my life where I was totally able to handle that and I'm currently going through the delicate years where I'm like I would find that very upsetting yeah. <laughs> but you see, you're right I think the, oh. older, the older you get the more you should feel like that because I think for years I was one of those people going yeah where no. are your limits right you're trying yeah. to find your limits mm. yeah. it's like I can handle this like I you know um I'm a very big Lars von Trier person. Like mm. I've seen all his films and I was real like, yeah, no, that's, this is the way things are supposed to be. And now like years later, I'm like, eh, maybe you shouldn't just go out of your way to upset yourself. Then, you know? Oh, but sure. I did that. that was a solid decade of my life. I'd say yeah. it's like, oh, that's how I became the CEO of making myself cry, Jen. You know, we all, <laughs> we all have to work our way up through the making yourself cry factory, okay? Yes. Like, fucking hell. But I think like, this is another thing about your European culture and European yeah. cinema um, is that thing where it's like pushing boundaries and making things that may not be, you know, they're on Anatized. the weirds, they're on, yeah. And, and also just very depressing and sad. <laughs> like, yeah. Just like that's it, and I think part of that kind of anarchy is somewhere in, hidden in my love of interbank. I'm sure. Yeah, it is amazing how there always ends up being a root text like that, isn't it? Where oh. you're like, I can kind of spider so much of my aesthetic back to this one thing. A hundred percent, I can. And my curiosity and interests, and like, 
I think it's remarkable when, and, and especially when it's something that feels so private for so long because mm. nobody else has any fucking idea what it is. Yeah. It's like, it's like, like a, oh, sorry, no, go on, Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think if it hits you, if it gets you at the right age, mm. like you mm. can just change your brain. Like, I, I mm. think my brain from six years old, from watching that onwards, was just reprogrammed completely. Yeah. Mm. And I, that's how I've ended up the way I have, which is so odd. That's it's such awesome. a weird thing to say. Does it hold up to adult viewership? You said it was still good as a grown-up. Oh my God, yeah. And I understood a lot more of the actual jokes, not just the physical comedy for me. When it, like, obviously as a six-year-old, I was just into like them slapping each other across the face yeah. and like, you know, making them hold a bomb and giving the, the other person the bomb and running around. But there's a lot of just really weird offbeat jokes in the script that uh, I, I'm enjoying a lot more now. Oh, also, there's just a lot of broad, horrible generalizations about other Europeans. Great. Mm. You love to see other it. people around the world. Yeah, Africa is just a country called Africa. Oh, God, yeah. oh yeah. Yeah, there is. Really yeah. Is. In that San Francisco episode, there is a super problematic bit. Very racist. Yeah, super racist. We're not even going to go into it, but it is an Italian kids that's show okay. from the 80s. It's, because it, San Francisco no. is racist, so that's fine. <laughs> that's absolutely fine. <laughs> they may have everything that they deserve <laughs> like <laughs> fuck that town like jesus yeah that's it things do we always say it things date mm. things change yeah. we are all striving to be better and kinder now than people who made television in the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. yeah all our faves are problematic hail mary full of grace very like, all of that all is we true. can do about it <laughs> you know that's the manifesto that will get us through yeah Seriously, be yeah. better than those monsters. That's all we can do. Yeah. You know, you take the, you excavate the good weird and you're like, okay, all that weird racist shit that you just did, we're going to put that in the bin and we're just going to take the good bits and we're going to do something else with them without any of that shit. And I'm sure the next generation coming up will do the same again. They'll extract the garbage and move on to make better art and better art and better art, you know? I just still hope they have the weird garbage though. That's all I care about. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's like preserving the weird while you're filtering out all the <laughs> horror is uh huh yeah it's interesting that is yeah. a challenge. i guess because like you said like it's inter interbank is like your like foundational personality mm. thing where for like if you had like a pie chart of people like 60 percent of the pie chart would be simpsons people yeah and you're like this little sliver of the like two people who were personality was formed by interbank and that's why <laughs> yeah. you're like why you're you why you have all the that's why like live and fancy exists you know and so yeah. because because interbank got to you instead of the simpsons or coronation street or football i mean you know? all those things are still true because i still love the simpsons love mm. curry but something like interbank just like Worms a its way. trip to mm. switch in my mind like and i used to always think of when we were doing live and fancy when we started it up you want i wanted it to be like a weird club that you would see in like one of those 70s kind of mm. shows that would have carpet on the walls and just like like a weird glittery kind of pole in the middle of like the, you know those poles that are kind of covered in mirrors yeah and a tiny bar that was like my vision like those kind of things and i think you know the holy grail for me i asked jean christophe to send me the the, the, the theme tune the, like the one at the end because I'd love to play it out because it's so good but he never got back to me he was like oh I, I need to find the sound file he's keeping it um, for himself like, <laughs> yeah he is bump and do a fucking change. remix yeah so remix 
We just want Phoenix like, to cover it and then I'll be done. Mm-hmm. Oh. There we go. I, I think that's love it. Phoenix. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that is it, but I fucking love Phoenix, man. Jesus. Jen, where can we find you? Where, do you want to plug some stuff? Um, yeah. I am talking always about Lars Eidinger and Timothy Chalamet on Twitter at Gem Pops, uh, which is a double N. So it's J double N. But uh, and that's not pretentious. It's because there were seven other Jennifers in my class in school. So I have hey, to we all yeah. have to do what we have to do with common 80s names, my friend. It's all terrible. of us. And yeah. then, yeah, I'm all, yeah, just hopping around the place on the Irish Times sometimes. And then I'm on 2FM and 2FM a lot of the time, just saying whatever crap comes out of my head. <laughs> yeah, Sarah, where can we find you? Uh, in my fucking house, Alan McGuire. <laughs> <laughs> Never leaving. Um, I'm at Grifsky on Twitter.com, at Sarah Grifsky on Instagram. Um, I have not yet, you know, come up with the the genius Corona project yet. I'm just hanging out in my regular socials being like, uh, I'm staying indoors. I write books. Other Words for Smoke came out last year and I'm going to finish my next one soon, but you can get that and delivered to your home most likely by large uh, book selling and, and independent book selling operations. Alan McGuire, where can we find you? Uh, oh, I'm Alan underscore McGuire everywhere. Uh, Juvenalia is Juvenalia underscore pod on Twitter, Juvenalia pod on Instagram. We, by the time this comes out, our website will have launched finally. Juvenalia.net. Oh it's so pretty. It's, it's so good. It just has like all the episodes, has pictures from various live shows and recordings we've done. It's just a place to basically when you search for Juvenalia on Google, you'll get that instead of the other things you currently get. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you to Cassie and Tall Tales. Thanks, Cassie. We, we, we're, we're not going to see Cassie for a while, and we're going to miss no. the hell out of her. So, um, we sure aren't. Miss you, Cassie. Yeah, uh, thank you to Dee for our artwork. Thanks, Dee. And hello, thank Ellen, you, Ellen, far away in Canada. Listen yeah. um, to other Tall Tales podcasts, like Private Education and The Creep Dive. Creep Dive are doing live shows on Zoom at the moment, which is very fun. If you become a patron of theirs, you can do that. If you become a patron of ours, you get bonus episodes where we talk about things like Sherlock and Vaporwave and Scott Pilgrim. Oh, God. Um, yeah, it gets it gets very <laughs> real on the Patreon episodes, to be honest. Yeah. So you should probably come and listen to those. They're very yeah. loosey goosey. Like, so you should come. Yeah, we'd be delighted to have you. Um, yeah. so that's it. This was our first remote recording, and we Woo! did it. Thank you so much for coming, Jen. Thank you, Jen. We did it. In these strange times. Yeah. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.